2: That's up to twenty-five percent off outdoor furniture at burrowcom acast.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Songs and Stories podcast, probably for a once off after over a year without an episode. This was one I initially wanted to get out last year, but following the death of the Pogues frontman Shane McGown, it seems fitting to come back just in time for Christmas for episode 24, The Fairy Tale of New York. (laughs) Fairy Tale of New York is a song written and recorded by Jem Finer and Shane McGown, who are both members of the Pogues, who, for those who don't know, could probably be best described as a Celtic punk band. The song also features English singer-songwriter Kirsty McCall. The song is an Irish folk-style ballad and was written as a duet with the Pogues frontman Shane McGowan taking the role of the male character and McCall playing the female character. Before getting into the song itself, it would probably be remiss of me not to speak about McCall. As mentioned, Kirsty McCall was an English singer and songwriter, daughter of legendary folk singer Ewan McCall. And in the year 2000, after she participated in the presentation of a radio program for the BBC in Cuba, she took a holiday in Cozumel in Mexico with her sons and her musician boyfriend James Knight. On the 18th of December 2000 she and her sons went diving at the Chacaná Reef part of the National Marine Park of Cozumel in a designated diving area that watercraft were restricted from entering. With the group was a local veteran expert diver Ivan Diaz. As the group was surfacing from a dive a powerboat moving at high speed entered the restricted area. McCall saw the boat coming before her sons did. One of her sons, Lewis, aged 13 at the time, was not in its path, but her other son, Jamie, aged 15, was. McCall was able to push him out of the way, and he only managed to sustain minor head and rib injuries, but she was struck by the powerboat, which ran her over, causing her to suffer severe chest and head injuries, and she died instantly. The powerboat involved in the collision was controlled by multi-millionaire president of the Comercial Mexicana supermarket chain, Guillermo González Nova, who was on board with members of his family? The boat was owned by his brother and founder of the commercial Mexicana chain, Carlos Nova. An employee of Gonzalez, Jose Senyam, who was a boat hand, said he was in control of the boat at the time of the incident. Eyewitnesses said that Senyam was not at the controls and that the boat was travelling much faster than the speed of one knot that Gonzalez Nova had claimed. Senyam was found guilty of culpable homicide and sentenced to 2 years and 10 months in prison. He was allowed under Mexican law to pay a punitive fine in lieu of the prison sentence. He was also ordered to pay approximately $2,000 in restitution to McCall's family, which was an amount based on his wages. Sources close to Senyam claimed that after the killing, he said he received money for taking the blame. McCall's family launched the Justice for Kirsty campaign in response to the events surrounding her death. Lawyers for McCall's family and the group campaigned for judicial review into the events surrounding her death. They were in constant contact with the Mexican government and made an application to the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. McCall's friends and family were critical of what they perceived as a lack of cooperation from the Mexican authorities. In May 2006, Emilio Cortez Ramirez, a federal prosecutor in Cozumel, was found liable for breach of authority in his handling of McCall's case. In 2004, the BBC showed a documentary by Olivia Liechtenstein titled Who Killed Kirstie McCall? YouTube frontman Bono, who was a friend of McCall, spoke about the incident during a concert in Monterrey, in Mexico in February 2006 and the Mexican government released a statement after the concert indicating that it would take action. On the 20th of August 2009, Carlos González Nova, brother of Guillermo González Nova, died at 92 of natural causes. And in December of that year, the Justice for Kirsty campaign committee issued a statement announcing that the campaign was being terminated, since it was successful in achieving most of its aims, and it was unlikely that any more could be achieved. Fairytale of New York was originally released as a single on the 23rd of November 1987, and later featured on the Pogues 1988 album, If I Should Fall From Grace With God. Originally begun in 1985, the song had a troubled 2 year development path which involved undergoing rewrites and a number of aborted attempts at recording and losing its original female vocalist along the way before finally being completed in August of 1987. Although the single has never been the UK Christmas number 1 being kept at number 2 on its original release in 1987 by the Pet Shop Boys cover of Always On My Mind it had proved enduringly popular with both music critics and the public. To date The song has reached the UK top 20 on 20 separate occasions since it's original release in 1987, including every year at Christmas since 2005. As of September 2017, it had sold 1.2 million copies in the UK, with an additional 250,000 streaming equivalent sales, for a total of 1.5 million combined sales. And in December 2022, the song was certified quintuple platinum in the UK for 3 million combined sales. And in the UK, The Fairy Tale in New York is the most played non-Christmas carol song in the 21st century. It's frequently cited as the best Christmas song of all time in various television, radio and magazine related polls in the UK and in Ireland, including the UK television special on ITV in December 2012, where it was voted the nation's favourite Christmas song. Although there is an agreement among the band that The fairy tale of New York was first written in 1985, the origins of the song are disputed. Shane McGowan insisted that the song came about as a result of a wager made by the Pogues producer at the time, Elvis Costello. That the band would not be able to write a Christmas hit single, while the Pogues manager, Frank Murray, had stated that it was originally his idea and the band should try to write a Christmas song that he thought would be interesting. Jem Feiner who was the banjo player came up with the melody and the original concept for the song which was said to be set in County Clare on the west coast of Ireland involving a sailor in New York looking out over the ocean and reminiscing about being back home in Ireland. Feiner's wife didn't like the original seafaring story and suggested new lyrics regarding a conversation between a couple at Christmas. Jem Feiner told NME that he had written two songs complete with tunes One had a good tune and crap lyrics, and the other had the idea for a fairy tale, but the tune was poxy in his own words. I gave them both to Shane, and he gave it a Broadway melody, and there it was. By the end of 1985, the song's title, the musical structure, and its lyrical theme of a conversation between a couple were in place. In an interview with Melody Maker in its 1985 Christmas issue, McGowan said that he sat down, opened the sherry, got the peanuts out, and pretended it was Christmas. It's even called A Fairy Tale of New York. It's quite sloppy, more like a pair of brown ears than Sally McLennan. But there's also a Cayley bit in the middle which you can definitely dance to. It's like a country and Irish ballad, but one you can do a brisk waltz to, especially when you've got about three of these inside you, referring to the drink that he had in his hand. But the song itself is quite depressing in the end. It's about these old Irish-American Broadway stars who are sitting around at Christmas talking about whether things are going okay. McGowan had decided to name the song after J.P. Dunleavy's 1973 novel, A Fairy Tale in New York, which Jem Feiner was reading at the time and left it lying around the studio. In the same Melody Maker interview, McGowan said that he did regret that the song had not been completed in time to be released for Christmas that year, and hinted that the track would appear on an EP that the Pogues are due to record shortly. In January 1986, the group recorded the song during the sessions with Costello that would produce the Pogatry in Motion EP with bass player Cotto Reardon singing the female part. Costello suggested naming the song Christmas Eve in the Drunk Tank after the song's opening lines but the band were scornful of Costello's suggestion with McGowan pointing out to Costello that a song with such a title was not very likely to be well received or played by radio stations. A drunk tank is a jail cell or a separate facility that accommodates people who are intoxicated, especially with alcohol. In some cases, these facilities could be mobile, which led them to also being referred to as booze buses. The majority of the lyrics had been written while McGowan was recovering in a bed in Malmo after being struck down with double pneumonia during a Pogues tour of Scandinavia in late 1985. He later said, you get a lot of delirium and stuff, so I got quite a few good images out of that. However, despite several attempts at recording it, the group were unhappy with the results and the song was temporarily put aside with the intention of getting back to it at a later stage. The guitarist, Philip Chevron, later said, it was not quite there, it needed to have a full-on confident performance from the band, which he felt it lacked. The producer of the final version, Steve Lillywhite, diplomatically described the version recorded with O'Riordan's vocals as not fully realised. Extracts from these earlier versions of the song are included on the 2008 box set entitled Just look them straight in the eye and say Pogue Mahone And here's a bit of O'Riordan's vocals on that original demo
2: Me
3: that Broadway was waiting
0: for me to So in fairness to Steve Lillywhite, having heard that, he probably wasn't too wrong. In March of 1986, the Pogues toured the US for the first time. The opening date to of the tour was in New York City, a place which had long fascinated McGowan and which inspired him to write new lyrics for the song. Among the members of the city's Irish-American community who saw the show and visited the band backstage after the concert were filmmaker Peter Doherty and actor Matt Dillon. Both later became friends with the Pogues and played important roles in the video for Fairy Tale in New York. Another inspiration was Sergio Leone's film Once Upon a Time in America which McGowan and whistle player Spider Stacy watched over and over again on their tour bus. Apart from shaping the ideas for the lyrics, McGowan wrote a slow, piano-based introduction to the fairy tale of New York, influenced by the film's score by Ennio Morricone. The intro was later edited together with the more upbeat original melody, which created the final song tune that we hear. As 1986 went on, the Pogues encountered various problems that brought a halt to the recording activity. The record label, Stiff, ran into financial difficulties and went into administration. Although as the label still owned the rights to the Pogues recordings, this meant that a distribution deal had to be negotiated with a new label to release any new Pogues material. The group's deteriorating relationship with Costello saw them part ways with their producer, and after increasingly erratic behaviour, Cotto Riordan, who had become romantically involved with Costello, left the band in October 1986. The departure of Riordan meant that the song had now lost its initially intended female singer. The finished track was recorded at Rack Studios in Regents Park in London. The problems at Stiff were eventually resolved and the Pogues were finally able to enter a recording studio again in early 1987 to start work on their third album now with Steve Lillywhite producing. A new demo of Fairy Tale in New York was recorded at London's Abbey Road Studios in March 1987 with McGowan singing both the male and female roles. However, It wasn't until the third set of recording sessions, in August 1987, in nearby Rack Studios that it was suggested that Lily White take the track back to his home studio and let his wife, Kirstie McCall, lay down a new guide vocal for the song, having worked on her vocals meticulously. Lily White brought the recording back to the studio where the Pogues were impressed with McCall singing and realised that she would be the ideal voice for the female character in the song. McGowan later said, Kirsty knew exactly the right measure of viciousness and femininity and romance to put into it. And she would a very strong character and it came across in a big way. He said that in operas, if you have a double aria, it's what the woman does that really matters. The man lies and the woman tells the truth. McGowan re-recorded his vocals alongside the tape of McCall's contribution. Interestingly, the duo never recorded the song together in a studio and the song was duly completed with the addition of a harp played by Siobhan Sheen and with horns and a string section. Reflecting on the recording of the song during a 2020 interview, McGowan said, It was a happy time for the group. It's our bohemian rhapsody. He paid tribute to McCall for lending her vocals to the song. I was very grateful to Kirsty. I don't think it would have been such a big hit without her contribution. The song follows an Irish immigrant's Christmas Eve daydream about holidays of the past while sleeping off a binge in a New York City drunk tank. When an inebriated old man also in the cell sings a passage from the old Irish ballad The Rare Old Mountain Dew the narrator, in this case Shane McGowan, begins to dream of a former lover. The remainder of the song, which may well just be an internal monologue takes the form of a call and response between the couple their youthful hopes crushed by alcoholism and drug addiction as they reminisce and argue on Christmas Eve. The phrases Sinatra was swinging and Cars as Bars seem to place the song in the late 1940s although the music video clearly depicts a contemporary 1980s New York. Helen Brown of the Daily Telegraph wrote about the impact of the lyrics where she said the range of moods from maudlin to euphoric, sentimental to profane, mudslinging to sincerely devoted in the space of four glorious minutes. It seemed perfectly suited to Christmas, a time which highlights the disparity between the haves and have-nots around the world. As McCall and McGowan's dialogue descends from the ecstasy of their kiss into an increasingly vitriolic argument, their words puts an average family's seasonal bickering into perspective. You're a bum, you're a punk, you're an all-slot on junk. The song's row ends with an expression of love and hope against all the odds As McGowan's character promises McCall that far from wrecking her dreams as he's kept them with his own can't make it all alone he pleads and that he's built his dream around
1: And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
0: The music video sees Kirsty McCall walking through Manhattan's West 33rd Street in November 1987. The video for the song was directed by Peter Doherty and filmed in New York during a barely cold week in November 1987. The video opens with McGowan sitting at a piano as if playing the song's opening refrain. However, as McGowan couldn't actually play the instrument, the close-up shot featured the hands of the band's pianist, Fernley, wearing McGowan's rings on his fingers. Their pianist, James Fernley, later said that he found the experience to be humiliating, but he accepted that the idea, that it looked better in the video to show McGowan seated at the piano. Part of the video was filmed inside a real police station on the Lower East Side. The actor, Matt Dillon, plays a police officer who arrests McGowan and takes him to the cells. Dillon recalled that he'd been afraid to handle McGowan roughly and that he had to be encouraged by Dorothy and McGowan to use force. McGowan and the rest of the band were drinking throughout the show, and the police became concerned about their increasingly rowdy behaviour in the cells. Dillon, who was sober, had to intervene and reassure the police that there'd be no problems. The chorus of the song includes the line the boys of the NYPD choir were singing Galway Bay. However, in reality the NYPD doesn't have a choir the closest thing being the NYPD Pipes and Drums who are featured in the video for the song. The NYPD Pipes and Drums didn't know the Galway Bay and so they sang a song that all of them knew the words to and it was the Mickey Mouse March the theme tune for the Mickey Mouse Club television series. The footage was then slowed down and shown in brief sections to disguise the fact that the Pipes and Drums were singing a completely different song. The Pipes and Drums had been drinking on the coach that brought them to the video shoot, and by the time they arrived, they were more drunk than the band, refusing to work unless they were supplied with more alcohol. Over the years, there's been a lot of lyrical controversy and proposed censorship of the song. The song's lyrical content attracted attention from the start due to language contained in its second verse where McGowan's character refers to McCall's character as an old slut and junk to which McCall responds with a tirade that includes the word faggot and arse. In December 2007 BBC Radio 1 edited the words faggot and slut from the track to avoid offence which McCall's mother described the band as too ridiculous while the Pogues said they found it amusing. The BBC stated that we're playing an edited version because some members of the audience might find it offensive. However, the BBC, shortly after, announced that they had reversed the decision and continued to play the song uncensored. Other BBC radio stations, including the traditionally more conservative Radio 2, had continued to play the original version throughout this period, the ban having only applied to Radio 1. The MTV channels in the UK also removed and scrambled the words slut and faggot and arse from the song. In December 2018, two broadcasters on RTE 2FM caused controversy by asking for the word faggot to be bleeped from broadcast of the song, where RTE announced that they wouldn't censor the lyric. A few days later, McGowan defended the lyrics in a statement released to Virgin Media Television's The Tonight Show. The word was used by the character because it fitted with the way that she would speak and with her character. She's not supposed to be a nice person, or even a wholesome person. She's a woman of a certain generation at a certain time in history and she's down on her look and desperate. Her dialogue is as accurate as I could make it, but she's not intended to offend. She's just supposed to be an authentic character and not all characters and songs and stories are angels or even decent and respectable. Sometimes characters and songs and stories have to be evil or nasty to tell the story effectively. If people don't understand that I was trying to accurately portray the character as authentically as possible, then I'm absolutely fine with them bleeping the word, but I don't want to get into an argument. In 2020, the BBC again announced that Radio 1 would play a censored version with the word faggot and slut removed, while Radio 2 would play the original, and six music presenters would each decide for themselves which version to play. In response, musician Nick Cave accused the BBC of mutilating the song, stating that it would be stripped of its value. And back in November 2020... Journalist Josh Milton said that Britain's worst annual festive tradition was an argument over whether the use of the word faggot was offensive. He also said that in 2010, the musical comedian Mitch Ben argued the word faggot was Irish and Liverpoolian slang for a lazy person, although the word is far more broadly accepted as being an anti-gay slur. In December 2020, an alternative version with McCall singing You're Cheap and You're Haggard replacing the contentious line was included in the compilation album on tiktok christmas the same censored version was used for the official marvel entertainment playlist soundtrack of 2022 special short film the guardians of the galaxy holiday special and to be fair it doesn't really take away from the song here's what that sounds like
3: Out, and jump right there,
0: and we'll as recently as the second of December 2023, The Telegraph reported that the UK's Boom Radio would play the uncensored version of Fairy Tale in New York after they ran a poll that suggested 91% of their listeners said that they wouldn't be offended by the lyrics. So, although it's a small minority, Given McGowan's explanation, I think it's safe to say that there's no intent at all within the song to offend. The song was released in the UK and Ireland in November of 1987 and swiftly became a hit, spending five weeks at number one in the Irish charts. And in December of 1987, they performed the song on top of the Pops and was repelled to number two in the UK. Although the song finished 1987 as the 48th bestseller of the year, despite only a month's sale, it was denied the UK Christmas number one by the Pet Shop Boys synth-pop version of Always On My Mind. McGowan was reported to have said, We were beaten by two queens and a drum machine. And McCall later said that she didn't feel they were really in competition with the Pet Shop Boys, as they were doing a completely different type of music. All proceeds from the 2005 re-release, which was its third release, were donated towards a mixture of homeless charities and justice for Kirsty, the campaign as mentioned at the start that was established to find out the truth behind Kirsty McCall's death in 2000. Due to the eligibility of downloads to chart even without a physical release, coupled with more recent and further boosts from streaming data, the song has re-entered the top 75 every December since 2005. And on hearing the song following the vocalist McCall's death in 2000, McGowan stated that for a while the song used to depress him, but now, I think of the song just as a tribute to Kirsty. There have been a number of versions of Fairy Tale in New York over the years, or attempts at version, I should probably say. Some were done for comedic value or for festive spirit. Some were rather forgettable. Comedian Bill Murray sang it in his 2015 television special, A Very Murray Christmas. Ed Sheeran and Anne-Marie performed the song on BBC Radio 1's Live Lounge. Saoirse Ronan and Jimmy Fallon performed it on The Tonight Show. And in the BBC's Gavin and Stacey Christmas special, broadcast on Christmas Day 2019, Ruth Jones and Rob Brydon sang the uncensored version of the song as their Christmas characters Nessa Jenkins and Uncle Bryn. It was also covered by American singer John Bon Jovi. Now usually when i reference a number of versions on the podcast I might play a couple of snippets, but in this case I'm going to spare you the pain of listening to any of these. Following McGowan's death in December 2023, the song returned to number one in the Irish singles charts on the same day as McGowan's funeral and 36 years after it first topped the charts in Ireland. I think especially after his passing, The Fairy Tale of New York will probably now always be in the battle for number one in the UK and Ireland, along with Wham and Mariah Carey, if it wasn't already. And I think it's quite fitting that The Fairy Tale of New York is in this bracket, given that Shane McGowan himself was born on Christmas Day, and both McGowan and McCall's deaths came in December. So to end the podcast, here's of course The Fairy Tale of New York, by the Pogues and Kirsty McCall. Happy Christmas.
3: I was with sea of In the drunk tank An old man said to me I Won't see another one And then I sang a song The rare old mountain you I turned my face away Dreamed about you, got on a lucky one. Came in, I 10 to one. I've got a feeling that years were making you so happy. Christmas alone. You promised me Broadway was waiting for me You are handsome, you were pretty queen of New York City when, when the band, band finished playing, playing, they held out for more Sinatra was swinging, all the jokes they were singing We kissed on the corner, down. then danced through the night The boys of the Anvil in Pini Choir were singing, going by And the bells were ringing out for Christmas Day Know, almost dead on a night boat. You am almost little bit of a little bit of You little bit of a little bit of a little are me. put down with my own, can't make it all alone, I built my dreams around you. The boys in the NYPD chorus, the singing, go away and the bells are ringing out for Christmas Day.